uh, we, we can't we can't not talk about Goldfinger. No, we got to talk. We've got to say, even though you're pressed for time. And now, no. so I I had not seen. You're going to laugh when I tell you this. I had not seen Goldfinger for. I can't remember when. I mean, I had seen it. I know that I've seen it because I remembered it, but I can't. Right. I can't remember seeing it, which is different from Doctor No and uh, from right. Russia with Love. I, I saw probably a decade ago. You're going to laugh when I say this, John. Of the three movies that we've seen so far, from Russia with Love is my favorite. Hmm. And I was going into the saying, no, "No way." It's funny to think of it as a trilogy too, like from the perspective of someone in, in 1964. Who these are the only three movies, yeah. and if they had stopped at this point, I st- I think it would still have been, um, like we'd still be talking about them now. I don't know if we'd be doing this on the show with it. Maybe they wouldn't be that big of a sensation, but yeah. everybody would remember it, like in the way that you remember certain other movies from that era, like Doctor Strange Love, oh and, yeah, uh, Psycho, and The Birds. Um, I'll tell I'll I, tell you why I'll tell you why I liked Goldfinger. And you you riff off this. Okay. The format is established, so you know you know who Bond is. But more than just knowing who Bond is, you you understand that there is. I don't want to use the word a formula, but there is a a framework that you you sort of you know what to expect, but you still are surprised in the way that it unfolds. In other words, you know you yeah. you know there's sort of a title sequence. You know you know bond is going to flirt with money penny you know you know so like it it all of these things are sort of set up um and and like i remember you were talking about one of the reasons you like for marsha with love is that it's just sort of it's a regular mission it's not saving the world it's not you know the entire western world's uh, financial system is going to fall apart and go in, into chaos it's not trying to prevent that it's just like oh he's got to you know he's got to get this code breaker well right. in this one in the you know this started out the, the the formula which is to say that the the movie opens where he is on a mission that is of a, a regular mission a typical mission right just blow up you need to blow up an oil tanker yeah you need to blow this thing up no big deal and that's it you know and and that has become kind of the the staple for the so i like that there's that framework this feels much more like a polished movie it feels you know it's got the 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 great soundtrack in it you yeah. know and better music i i mean all of this stuff is polished the sets are better the, the 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 scope of the movie feels bigger it goes from feeling like oh this is almost could be a stage play to this is a movie yeah it's a great, and it's great to see them back to back to back because it's they they they're not they're 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 honing the formula. It's getting tighter and tighter, but they're not making the same movie three times in a row. One of the things that I really like about Goldfinger too is it does start like uh, from Russia with Love and and even like the opening adventure where it's just a simple uh, gold smuggling operation, right? Right, it's just look. The Bank of England says we've got this guy, we've got our eye on him. We don't know how he's doing it, but we know that he's smuggling a couple of tons of gold out of England every year. Um, and gold was like the. You have to remember that at that point, everybody in the world was still on the gold standard. Um, so, like the Fort Knox Reserve in the U.S., that's actually that was like the gold that backed the U.S. currency. Right, like your dollar bill was was a note that was worth a dollar right. in gold that was in there. Yeah, because there and, was there was a there was a. Um uh, I don't. I don't know what the right term. Whether it was a passing of legislation or something that wasn't it. Was it uh, 
Roosevelt who did it, but they basically said that regular people can't have like gold bullion anymore. You right. have to trade it in. Right. And all that went into Fort Knox. Right. And in England, you weren't allowed to move gold out of the country. The book made this, the Goldfinger book made that clear that, and it makes sense that you weren't allowed to make, move gold out of the country. Right. Um, you could sell it, but you'd had to sell it within the country. And that let the Bank of England set the price of gold within England um, so that they could maintain the value of the pound. Uh, and so the arbitrage that, that Goldfinger was doing was taking gold out of England and taking it to a country like India, uh, I think in the book, where the price of gold was higher. So he was like buying gold in in the book. And then, you know, it's this is the perfect sort of thing to skip in the movie. But he owned like a chain of pawn shops in England, and people would come in and sell their watches and and whatever. Uh, and he'd melt it all down. But it was all all the transactions in the pawn shops were based on the price of gold in England. Then he'd melt it into his car, take the car to India, right, and uh, and sell it there. So it only turns into a save the world plot very close to the end. Yeah, only in the last, I guess, ten minutes. Do you fifteen minutes maybe? Do you realize? Right what's really at stake because at first it seems like, Oh, he's just going to rob it. And then it, the, and what's interesting is, is that I didn't read the book, but I was reading, I was reading some, some write-ups about the movie after I watched it. And they were saying that one of the big sort of plot line, the big holes in the plot was actually getting that much gold into trucks or whatever, and moving it out of there would have taken like 12, 12 days. 12 days. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's actually smarter. This is one of those things, the rare case where the, the movie is smarter than the book. Because the book really was about stealing gold out of out of uh, Fort Knox, the plot in in the movie where he actually he told all the crooks that that's what he wanted to do, but his real plan was to just decimate a nuclear bomb near there just to radiate all the gold, which would uh, you know throw the U.S. financial system into collapse and make his own holdings way more valuable, way more valuable, ten times more. He says. In the terms of movie heist, that's actually extremely clever. Yeah, that's great. Now Miami, though in the '60s, would have been so awesome. I love, I love Bond's blue little blue jumpsuit. Yeah, we still wear those here, by the way. But th- that, it's I like mean, terry cloth. Yeah, it was like a little, you know, fuzzy terry cloth thing that had it had like pants, like a pair of shorts built into the shirt. He just sort of steps into that, zips it up, is ready. So the other thing that you and I think you can notice this, there does feel of a piece with the with the previous two Bond movies. It does feel like a trilogy, yeah. But there's some, there are some things that are different about Goldfinger, and it's, and, and I think it's attributable to the fact that there's a new director. It's not Terrence Young; it's right. Guy Hamilton. And we, we didn't talk on the air about Terrence Young, but I showed you that link last week that uh, I think we should put it in the show notes. I think I linked to it on Daring Fireball that uh, you know making the case that Terrence Young is the guy who really created the screen James Bond. Right. You know, Ian Fleming wrote the character. But the, his character in the novels is sort of infamously um, emotionless. I mean, in a way that doesn't seem like bad writing. It seems kind of realistic. Like this is sort of the all business persona that you might need to actually be, um, you know, a, a secret service operative. Right. Um, but he wasn't charming, you know. And and that Terrence Young was the guy, the guy who directed the first two movies. That he sort of forged this uh, this this. The sort of ad that what we now know is Bond, you know. Uh, it's a great article. Was Odd Job in the book? Yes. 
Yes. Because this this movie, Goldfinger, was the first movie that sort of introduces the kind of weird yeah. super sidekick yep. villain, you know. Yeah. And, and the henchman. From, the henchman, but for me, you know, with this borderline superpower. Right, right. He was like a judo expert in the, in the book, and I guess you see that in this, like when he when he gives when he gives Connery the judo chops before they paint paint the girl. Yeah. Uh, uh, but he could like kick real high. He yeah. could like kick people in the head in the, in the in the no hat. I think he had the hat. He might have had the hat. I, I honestly don't. I think he did. I think the hat was in the book. Now, in real life, here's something interesting: is that the guy that played Odd Job actually was badly burned in that scene. Did you know this? No. I did okay. Not. So uh, <laughs> why are you laughing? <laughs> That's terrible. No. So he <laughs> Oh man, you're a bad influence on me. The the guy, okay, so it's they're filming the scene where Bond I'm not going to be able to get through this without laughing. Where Bond is electrocuting him uh with when right. he he throws his hat, the hat misses, he goes to grab the hat. And he's electrocuted. Well, apparently, uh, he's actually bad. He he gets badly burned, and and is being burned. So if you watch that scene, you can know that he's actually being burned in that in that scene, and <laughs> doesn't <laughs> even doesn't watch it again. And had to go immediately <clears throat> to the hospital from that. So the other thing I did, I actually didn't finish watching it last night again with it, but I was watching it with the those banned Criterion commentaries. Yes. So we, it's, put this in the show notes. But this guy was, I had heard about this, but I'd never actually bothered to dig them out. Um, but in the 80s, the Criterion Collection, maybe it was the 90s, I don't know when, but they put out a series of laser discs. That's how old it was. It was laser discs with uh, commentaries. And, um, and they were too forthright about like production problems and stuff like that. And so Eon Productions, the, the Cubby Broccoli people who own the rights, like, Put the kibosh on them and, and got them taken off the market, and, and they were never released again. Um, and so they're sort of infamous in, in James Bond aficionado circles. Um, so somebody, I forget that guy's name, but he put up links to the MP, MP3s. So they're not the whole movie's rip, they're just the, the commentary tracks. So I just put it on my phone and sort of synced it up and played it. Yeah. And turned the volume on the TV down and watched Goldfinger. Um, and it is true, Merlin Mann, you, uh, you're, you're, your your friend over there on the other show, he had told me about this a while ago. That the one for Goldfinger is awesome. Um, now they don't have. It was weird. Like it was like the way they did commentaries back then. There was like a guy from Criterion who was doing most of the commentary and just sort of talking about what you're seeing as you do it. Now, do you hear that? Do you hear the dialogue behind the person? A little talking? bit, not okay. much. Okay. It's really only worth watching when you're very very familiar with the movie because okay. there's so much commentary. It's almost track to track that that. You know, end to end, that you don't really hear much of the. They they, they lower the volume on the movie when this happens, um, but it was a lot of it was like interviews with the guys. It wasn't like they brought these guys into the studio to record a commentary for the movie like they do today because it was such a novel thing. Yeah, and so they weren't in the same room together, um, but they had uh, you know stuff from Guy Hamilton, the director. Um, and he went on to direct a couple of more of the movies, and he didn't do a bad job. I mean, obviously, a lot of people, I, Goldfinger is probably the number one pick people have for their favorite Gold Bond movie. Yeah. Um, but they also had Peter Hunt, who was the editor, and he had edited uh, all of the Bond movies up to this point. And he went on; he directed the one with with Lazenby, um, and he seems like a heck of a film editor. Really does. And during the whole scene at the pool in Miami, mm-hmm. like they. Peter Hunt, the editor, is talking about how mismatched all the footage is. You know that 
Um, and you can kind of see that. And I just sort of chalk it up to, well, old movies, they used to do more stuff in sound stages. Yeah. Um, or they, you could, you know, they, they weren't meticulous about, well, if they filmed part of the scene on Monday and the next one on Tuesday and the next one on Wednesday and the lighting was different, maybe different times a day, you kind of wash it off to that. Well, the real problem though, it was worse than that. That wasn't just lighting. It was that they did film some, some of the scenes. Uh, clearly you can tell at the fountain blue hotel in Miami, you know, that there really was a pool there. There was a guy on the high dive and, but Sean Connery was never there. Right. Um, he filmed everything in, in Europe. He never, yeah. never went to the U.S. The only actor in the whole movie who was actually there at the Fountain Blue in Miami was the guy who played Felix Leiter. Hmm. Uh, all the scenes with, with uh, Goldfinger and with Sean Connery were from the soundstage. And that the soundstage wasn't really that good of a reproduction of the Fountain Blue. And that there's all that, you know, you cut from like a scene that was clearly, you know, and, and you see when he's talking about it, it really sticks out. Uh, and it's sort of like in the way that the guy just, even at the time, they wanted to make movies with higher production values. Like it killed them that it didn't quite match up. Like you, I think, well, that's how movies in the 60s looked. Whereas this guy was, was already thinking, I want movies to look perfect. Mm. You know, we should have shot that. We should have had the actors come to Miami and yeah. shot this the right way. Yeah. Um, because you just like cut from a shot where there really is a swimming pool to a shot that was clearly on a soundstage. Then the next shot is of an actor, and and you can see the swimming pool behind him, but it's clearly back projection. It's just and, too many little inconsistencies, right? And it's you know it's not scathing. It's not like oh you know so and so was on the set doing blow or whatever. But I, you know this sort of criticism of the you know the filmmaking process, I guess, is what set the the broccoli people off. But there were there were so many elements that that really did become staples that all finally gelled in this movie. You know, Q, you get to see Q's lab, you get the Aston Martin, you get yeah. uh you know, you get the, the 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 villain. Bullets actually sound like bullets now, instead of just somebody slamming a door. Yeah. yeah how about Goldfinger's suite in the fountain blue? Like Bond goes up to to like figure it out. Seemed how like the ceilings were very low. It, but it wasn't. It, it looked like a beautiful hotel suite, and yeah. there's only one shot where it appears. There's like one shot in the movie. It's just Bond sneaking up onto right. the balcony. Right. Guy Hamilton was talking. The director was talking about that, and the, and the hallway where he gets the key from the the maid yeah. to go in the room. That was a set that they made Pinewood, and it was. It looked totally. It, it's a great set. It looks like they could have shot it on location in a in sure. a luxury hotel. Yeah, and he said this. To me, was we shot these very early on, and he said, "And this was when I knew I was making a Bond movie because no other movie that I'd ever worked on would they build a set like this for like for a hallway like, for a one second, yeah, thing. for like yeah. a seven second scene, uh, and then this, you know, a beautifully furnished hotel suite that you just the camera pans across one time, and then he's out on the balcony." Now, what did you? What do you think the take on of of a with a laser was back then? Because to me, like watching it today, like I get that I get that a lot of what makes the Bond movies cool is that they have these sort of futuristic things. But right. what I loved about the first two movies, especially Doctor No, but from Russia with Love also, is that you you don't have you don't have these sort of cra- like okay, you know, he's going to use some kind of beam to shoot a rock, you know, like okay, but. But having like an industrial laser, you really just didn't see industrial lasers around. Right. And like today, having an industrial laser, like it's not that big of a deal. Like 
I, I can't afford one. But the idea that some rich dude has an industrial laser, it's like, well, it's not a, that big of a deal. Right. But, but it was back then, yeah. people the didn't book, really it was even... a, In the book, it was a buzzsaw. Yeah. Same, same thing coming right at his nutsack. But uh, <laughs> well, I mean, it was. I mean, yeah, you was can't, not... there's no denying that, you know, yeah. and like. Peter Hunt said, like the editor was like that. It was it's brilliant because there's you know there's no man who's who's not squirming in his seat while he watches it. <laughs> yeah, but it just it strikes me as like if you have to get cut in half to die, no matter what, it's a bad idea. But if that's where you're starting, it's even worse. That's yeah, like the you, worst way to get. You kind of wanted to go across the midsection, right? Or just take my head first, you know? <laughs> yeah. Go just you know, but anything but that. Right. But like, do we, you know, looking at it today, that that's that's one thing about this movie that almost doesn't age as well as Doctor No or From Russia with Love is I that don't know, I don't, you know, laser slowly going down. I don't know. Like to me, it just it it felt it felt campy. It felt like a, a it, it was a little too campy for me. Maybe, but I think the dialogue in the scene carries it through because it it's does. a great dialogue. It because is. I, it's that great scene where he's like, "Do you expect me to talk?" and and Goldfinger goes, "No, Mister Bond, I expect, I expect you to, to die. die." Yeah, he just starts walking away, and it's sort of. I feel like just three movies in, they're already uh, trying to avoid the uh, why in the world would would the bad guy you know keep him alive yeah. and talk to him you know that they and i felt like they handled it extremely well in this movie and then they go on you know as the series goes forward they just sort of like ah forget it we'll just have the guy talk and talk and talk what i like about this though it also it it it's the first time where he bond that is and the villain of the movie get, actually interact a lot and spend a lot of time. And it, yes, it, it, that's so different from the first two movies. And it's something that was always to me felt very uniquely bond is that in most movies where there's a bad guy, you know, the bad guy and his minions are on one side and the good guy and his minions are on the, you know, or his, his supportive team is on the other side and it only at like the climax of the movie do they meet for some great battle in this movie it's like from the first five minutes of the movie he's talking to him right. you know, then they're playing golf and the golf scene is great love that scene yeah it really is i mean i think i don't you know you don't play golf so it's like you, you know and it's i do like, i do actually well but it's the sort of thing i don't think anybody has to play golf to appreciate it. and i think that's one of the hardest things in all movies like once you get to people golfing it's like either you're a golfer or not and right. i feel like they they you know definitely handled that made it enjoyable for anybody no nobody's as bad at at golf <laughs> as i am but i i mm. i thought it's actually interesting cuz i read that Connery, who is people would know is is a golfer and loves golf this is where he got into it yeah, this movie yeah yeah he took lessons so that they could actually show him swinging Whereas gold, the guy who played Goldfinger couldn't play. So if you watch, it's it's all, but it's all very very well handled. And you almost think you saw him hit a golf ball, but you never do. <laughs> it's a very very well edited. It's it's a well made movie. Um, you know, first did, time first time in a movie you hear Shane, Sean Connery utter uh, "shaken and not stirred." Yeah, is yeah. on the airplane. In the other two movies, he gets martinis, but the person giving him the martini says, "Just like you ordered, sir." Right. Shaken not stirred. Right. This is the first time he Connor says it. it. And he also, it, it started that tradition of the comment of, of, of sort of the, the funny comment that he makes after the, right. the sort of minor mission is dispatched. And this right. one was shocking. Sh- positively shocking, you know, I mean, all of these things really, really did gel in this movie. And I thought, yeah. you know, it's weird to think that, that, um, that Connery was only 34 years old yeah. when he played, because he seems like already he, I mean, I don't want to say he seemed old, but he seemed older. He looks older than we do. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was weird, you know, because we're 38, 39, right? I'm only 37. I'm just a kid, but. Yeah, I'm 38. The, 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 right. the, he looks older than I he feel does. Like look. Yeah. He does, which brings us to the other thing is that anything that Bond wears back then, and we're talking about, was this 64? Yeah. Every, everything, they forget what the other people are wearing. You could, you could put whatever he's wearing on the cover of uh, your favorite, you know. Right you know leading man today or on the cover of gq magazine whatever he is spot on in style for today as much as he was back then right and, and it he looks, looks great. he looks absolutely awesome god help us if those suits from the roger moore movie come back <laughs> i mean jesus <laughs> i know but look i mean you look at him he's he just he looks and that to me in the first two movies he looked good but this time he looked like yeah that he looked like Bond, you know? Yeah, he just looks great. I have two more people I want to talk about. All right. First, I want to talk about Ken Adam. Ken Adam was the production designer on Dr. No. Uh, did, like, for example, that great that great Dr. No hideaway with the subterranean uh, aquarium. Ah, right. Was not the production designer on From Russia with Love because a guy named Stanley Kubrick saw Dr. No and was so impressed with the production design that he got Ken Adam to do the production design for a movie called uh, Dr. Strangelove. Wow, didn't know that. Uh, and I did not know that, but if you think about it, that Strangelove War Room, which is obviously Love one of the all-time great sets, yeah. is so Bondian. It's black and white, but if you just imagine it in color, you know that it looks like a Bond. It's the greatest Bond room ever oh yeah uh ken adam was back on goldfinger and the room the the set that he spent the most time on was goldfinger's map room his lair right which if you think about it if you think about that room with the pool table and all the gadgets and stuff like that and compare that to the strange love war room it it's it's clearly of the same hand That's it is the same it's the same artist it is so it, it, yeah especially with the big yeah, yeah, especially with the big uh, screen that comes down. Yeah, and like the angles, like the way that like the rafters are sort of like cut at like a very mo- modern architectural yeah. angle, you know, like 45 That's a really interesting and observation. And then the other thing is you got we got to talk about Pussy Galore. Oh, yeah. Honor Blackman. So from the, the Criterion uh, thing, I didn't really know this, but she was a – that she was different in so many ways from all the other Bond women. For one thing, she was older than the guy playing. Um, That's right. Yeah, I read she was that. thirty-eight. Yeah, at the time, and like you said, I think uh, Connery was thirty-three and thirty-four while they were shooting. Uh, so she's the only love interest in the entire series who was older than the actor playing Bond, um, and she was already a star. She was on the British TV show The Avengers, uh, and left it to do this movie. Um, but uh, all the other preceding and most of the ones after um, were not famous actresses. Some of them were famous for other things like modeling or you know beauty contests or something like that. But she was the only person who who sort of already had like a lot of experience acting, and she's great. Yeah, she played that part, and and it's you know it, it it's interesting because it's a very interesting part. I again I haven't read the book, but in the book, it's it's made very clear that she's a lesbian. And yes. in, in yes. the movie, it's sort of implied through some dialogue, like when uh, when she says, you know, Bond, save your charm, I'm immune. Right. And there's other things. And the actress was interviewed, and I read an interview with her where she says that's how she played it. That's how she knew it was written that way. Right. Uh, but at they the, the studios would never have done that. Right. And then the book had some very antiquated thoughts on lesbianism. 
Really? I think it was, it didn't come quite out and, and say so. But the gist of the book, though, is that lesbianism is something that can be washed away with, with handsomeness and charm from a man. <laughs> well, uh, because at the end, you know, in the end of the book, it's the same as the end of the movie where, where, where she's in love with Bond. Right. Um, but in the book, the other big difference with the lesbianism angle is that, um, uh, the, the second sister, the one who, who's the sniper, what was her name? Uh, Tillman, something Tillman. Or, or uh, the Till, sniper Tilly. was Tilly. Tilly. So Tilly doesn't die. Tilly was captured along with Bond. And instead of being killed, she's captured. And Goldfinger takes both of them along with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tilly falls in love with, uh, falls under the spell of Pussy Galore. And, uh, well, I won't spoil it, but, uh, but it, it doesn't work out well for Tilly. Yeah, just it's interesting another how they thing, had to I change another th- Just another thing where I, the movie was better than the book. It was just it wasn't you know it was like a touch of she wasn't you know what I mean it wasn't like oh she's a lesbian and now she she meets Sean Connery and and she forgets it and and you know it's not it doesn't that come seems less that believable than the movie. Right. It's in the movie. It's just more that she's, you know, she's a real crook. She's a criminal leader. She's yeah. part of the plot. You know, yeah, she's, she's got, part of the you know, plot. She's got business to do. This right. is business. She's not know. a silly little girl. Right. You know? And I think it makes her uh, rare among his love interest in the, in the whole series that, that she's like, uh, she truly feels like his peer. Somebody on Twitter wanted me to make sure I mentioned the Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> What about so, what about it? Well, when Felix Felix Leiter and the other guy, they're like all they do when they're waiting for Bond in, in Kentucky is they're hanging out at a Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> but apparently for like all day because like they show them earlier and they're waiting outside the KFC. Yeah. And then when there's like, hey, he's moving, uh, Felix Leiter had like gone in for more chicken. And he came out, he was like licking his finger. Yeah. I think That's it's funny. this is where this is the second time we see Felix Leiter and he's been completely differently cast. Yeah. It's not just like Jack Lord was already on Hawaii Five O, so they couldn't get him back. Right, but Jack Lord was so perfect. But oh, they didn't man. cast the same type of guy. They cast like an old, totally guy. different guy. Yeah, he's like an old bureaucrat. Whereas Jack Lord, like I, like we said about Doctor No, Jack Lord seemed like he was crying for his own series of movies. Yeah, like you would never want to make a movie with this this no. Felix Leiter. No. Be like, you know, it's an old guy with a with a hat shuffling papers around. <laughs> what about what about the guy at the end of the movie, uh, the atomic expert guy who goes after after uh, Bond is like sitting there just trying to, you know, he's freaking out, can't figure out which wire to pull, right? And uh, and at the last at the last minute, you know, right when the counter's on 007, yeah, this guy walks over, just sort of looks at him, flips a switch, it's off. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, so next for next week, we're get, we're we're on Thunderball. Thunderball. Yeah. How do you feel about that one? It's a good one, good but one. it's 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 the beginning of the it's like the the end of the beginning is over. Yeah. Goldfinger is the end of the beginning. Yeah. Thunderball is like when the movie is 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 like mid you know middle aged, like where the series is middle aged. Right. It's no longer. There's nothing new anymore. So we'll we'll be back our, our regular schedule next week, which will be Wednesday at noon. But yeah. uh, we we're going to try and do a mini show. Yeah. So stay tuned. Just keep listening to the live five by five nonstop, twenty four hours a day, starting like tomorrow. And and at some point there will be a brief 
there'll be like a little ten or fifteen minute report from MacWorld Expo. Did you did you do the uh, did you do the little did you try the app that I sent you? That yeah, you yeah. From this morning, yeah. yeah. There's a there's one little bug in it, but I think it's good to go. Yeah, yeah. You All should right. put it up on the App Store. We'll go, we'll get it there. All right, John. Have a great All one. Right. See you, Dan. Take care.